The Old Testament reading for this, the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 45th chapter. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And this is the word of the Lord. He will command his angels concerning you. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Epistle reading comes from the first letter of Paul to the church in Thessalonica, the first chapter. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. 
And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you've been watching the news lately, you have my sympathy. It's just awful, isn't it? Wars and terrorism and violence all over the world. Political scandals and fights and idiocy. This group of people hates that group, and that group hates another group, and some group hates absolutely everybody. The economy is in shambles. There's a crisis everywhere you look, and every day it seems like another catastrophe is either unleashed or just around the corner. Now granted, bad news sells, and the media absolutely plays up the worst possible news because they know that's what keeps people tuned in. There's nothing like a good panic to cause a spike in ratings. But even in our own lives, even when we factor in the good in the world, it just seems like everything is getting worse and worse and worse. We all know someone who's in financial stress, even if we aren't ourselves. We all know someone who's enduring a tragedy of some kind, even if it's not us personally. We all know people who are sick, and dying. Life just seems to be getting harder and harder every single day. Have you ever asked yourself why? I mean, we're Christians. We're gathered here today in faith, believing that God, our Heavenly Father, watches over us and cares for us. But as things get so awful in the world, as evil seems to be gaining more ground day after day after day, Have you ever wondered why God would allow such things to happen? Why would he let countries outlaw his word and persecute his church? Why would he allow the wholesale slaughter of unborn children to be legal and encouraged? Why would he allow those who despise him, who mock him, ridicule his followers, why would he allow them to be so successful while those who speak in his defense are shamed and silenced. Far too often, even as Christians, when we look at this world, it seems like evil is winning. When we look around, it sure seems like the evil in the world is going to overwhelm the good, doesn't it? It sure looks like the devil has the upper hand and God is on the ropes. And understand this, we are not the first generation to think so. For Israel... In our Old Testament reading, a new empire conquering them, that was not exactly welcome news. And yet, this is what Isaiah was talking about to them. The Israelites had just begun settling in to life in exile in Babylon after their nation being destroyed some 70 years ago. And now, here comes Persia. Who knew how they were going to be treated? Who knew what else was going to be taken away from them? Who knew what new atrocities and humiliation would be thrust upon them by yet another foreign empire ruling over them and telling them what to do? 
We feel similar uncertainty in our world today, don't we? By the grace of God, we've never lived as an occupied territory, and we aren't really worried about a foreign empire taking over our land just yet. But it sure looks like evil is winning the day sometimes, doesn't it? Will our religious liberties be stripped away by an act of Congress? Will our nation wind up in a nuclear war with North Korea, or Russia, or China, or a terrorist organization, or someone we haven't even thought of yet? Will our children be forced to swear allegiance to the rainbow flag for fear of their very lives? There is so much uncertainty, so many evil possibilities. And we ask ourselves why God would let things like this happen. Why he would let such wickedness go unchecked. Why God isn't doing anything. But you see, that's where we're wrong. Look at the world today. Certainly bad things are happening. But they're not happening just because the devil wants them to. We may not understand it. We may not like how things are happening. But the Bible assures us over and over again, it's all in God's hands. All of it. Nothing in this world happens against the will of our almighty and all-knowing God. All things, good, bad, indifferent, they all happen only as he wills and only as he allows. And there are no better hands to be in. As he says through Isaiah, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. God does not cause evil to happen, nor does he desire it. He does not want us to suffer. But in his infinite wisdom, he does allow evil things to happen. All things are in his hands, and there are no better hands could possibly be in. Even what we think is the worst thing ever, even that can be used by God to bring about his good. Now, this is not a free license to commit whatever sinful atrocity we want and say, hey, God's so great, he'll use even this to bring about good, so I'm just going to go ahead and live however I want. As Christians, we seek to do what is right and pleasing to our Lord. And we understand that when we don't, there are often painful consequences for our sinful deeds. We want all people to know the truth of Jesus Christ and to curb their wicked, sinful ways that lead to death. But no matter how bad things might look, all things are still in God's hands. They always have been, and they always will be. He can use even corrupt governments and terrorism to further his word and his kingdom. Cyrus, who Isaiah talks about in our reading today, he was not a believer. He was not an Israelite. He had no idea of God. He considered himself to be a God. And yet the one true God used him to free his people long ago. He used the man who, as he says, you don't know me, but I know you. And I will use you to bring about my good. Those fleeing from rebels and militant groups and terrorists today, as they enter new lands that they never would have come to otherwise, so many of them are hearing the gospel 
and many are converting to Christianity in droves. God is using the pain in their homeland where they had never had exposure to Christianity or the word of God to bring people into his kingdom. God can use even the enemies of his church to strengthen his people. As the church is persecuted, we can't coast any longer. We can't just sit back and say, well, of course, we're Christians and we are the favored class. We as Christians are forced to have a firmer grasp on what we believe, and as we do, the church grows stronger. If we are going to put our lives, our reputation on the line, it's not going to be for something that we're like, eh, I kind of believe it, but I don't know. We look into God's word. We dig deeper, and we are blessed. As our religious liberties erode, we can no longer sit back idly and assume that the easy life is ours, especially as God never promised us ease and luxury. We learn to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and that is not our absolute trust and loyalty. That we render to God alone. Even in our own personal lives, God can use tragedy and heartache to draw us closer to him. In sickness, we recognize how much we need God. When tragedy strikes around us, we realize how fleeting this life is and what a gift it is from God. How important it is to share his word now because we don't know if we have a tomorrow. When we are looking death in the eye, we realize how good God is. And how his grace alone can save us. That he alone is the one thing that never leaves us. As a dear pastor friend of mine was very fond of saying, sometimes the only, way to, the only time you look up to heaven is when you're lying flat on your back. God can use the things that we think are the worst possible in our lives to draw us closer to him. No matter how bad things look, it's all in God's hands. And we trust that he can use even the worst of events to bring about good and strength and growth in our lives and in the life of his church. And all of this is possible only because God used the ultimate evil to bring about the ultimate good. Think back to how God saved the world. Think back to when Jesus Christ laid down his life for sinners like you. There on the cross, it absolutely looked like evil had won. Jesus' hands were bound as he stood before the council and Pilate and Herod and the crowd, looking so helpless and powerless. His hands were forced to carry that cross to Golgotha, as it seemed that he was powerless to resist their evil will and schemes. His hands were bloodied and pierced as wicked sinners nailed him to the cross and lifted him up to mock and taunt him as he suffered unimaginable pain. His hands went limp as he cried out in pain and agony, giving up his eternal life into death. Everything looked wrong. Everything looked to be completely out of God's hands as it seemed that evil had triumphed as Satan stood gloating over the lifeless body of God himself. But through these wicked events, God brought about the free gift of salvation for sinners like us who did not deserve it. All these terrible, 
wicked, evil things, they had all been foretold and planned by God himself. For generations he had told his people that he would come to them in the flesh, that he would suffer and die in our place, that he would allow his hands to be pierced for our transgressions. Through Isaiah, through all the prophets, through the Psalms, through Moses, through his own words in the Garden of Eden, God had been showing his people that all these things would happen, that he would suffer and he would die to take away the guilt of our sin. But he also told us that he would rise again from the grave just as he did. All things are in God's hands. Even as he laid down his life in shame and agony, his power was so great that he simply reached out and took it up again. Death had won nothing, even though it looked like the victory for them was complete. Evil had brought about its own defeat. God's mighty hand had won the day, turning what looked like the ultimate evil into the ultimate good for God's people. By his sacrificial death, our sins were forgiven. And by his glorious resurrection, we are given not just hope, but the absolute guarantee of eternal life in heaven with him. No matter how bad things might look, no matter how wicked our hearts might be, those who look to him in faith, those who repent of their sin, they are forgiven, they are cleansed, and they are made a new creation. This, too, is all in God's hands. And thanks be to God for that. He has done it all. We, we are poor, broken sinners. We are unable to do anything that would be worthy of heaven. We cannot fix our own situation, and the more we try, the worse we make it. On our own, we are unable to even know God or see his hand at work in our lives. But God took us by the hand, freed us of our sin, turned us from his enemies to his beloved child. Not by convincing us to do better. Not by just laying out an example and saying, there, now you do it too. No. He came to pay the price in full on our behalf by putting all things into his hands and giving us the gracious, undeserved gift of forgiveness, life, and salvation. God, who has done all this for us, he will not abandon us to evil. He will not let the devil have his wicked ways. He will not let the world fall into chaos and walk away saying, it's not my problem. He has paid the ultimate price. He has given absolutely everything to redeem you from sin, death, and the devil. He will never leave you, forsake you, or forget about you. For you are his cherished possession, his own beloved child. No matter how bad things get, no matter how wicked the world becomes, no matter how much it looks like evil is winning, as Christians, we can take great comfort in knowing that no matter what, it's all in God's hands. His nail-pierced, risen from the dead, almighty hands. All of it. Sometimes we will be blessed to see exactly how God can use the plans and schemes of wickedness to bring about good. Sometimes we will never understand just why such awful things were allowed to happen. But in faith, we trust our Heavenly Father. He is Almighty. We are not. He is all-knowing. We are not. He is in control. We are not.
And for that, we give thanks, especially when it comes to our salvation. Our deeds, our strength, it's worthless when it comes to matters eternal. So thanks be to God that that too is entirely in God's hands. He is the one who has created us. He is the one who redeemed us. He is the one who sanctifies us and keeps us even in the midst of the darkest of evil. God suffered and died in our place to take away our sins, to defeat sin, death, and the devil, to give us the eternal victory that we ourselves could never win. It's all in his hands. It always has been, and it always will be. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, so are we. We are in his loving hands for all eternity, held, guarded, and kept from eternal evil. We may suffer many things here on earth. We may fall victim to horrendous evils. We may have everything, even our very lives taken from us by the satanic darkness of this world. But even then, resting in the almighty hands of the one true and triune God, we have lost nothing, for our eternal salvation is certain. For by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, no matter how bad things might look, you are forgiven of all of your sin, and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.